Welcome to A Thriving Catholic Podcast, episode number one. In this inaugural episode, I'll tell you what this show is all about, share a little bit about how a struggle with mental illness changed the trajectory of my life, and I'll teach you a simple shift that you can make today that will have a profound impact on your own health and happiness. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned. Christ tells us that he came to give us life and give it in abundance. But sadly, for many of us, it can feel more like we're just surviving another day than living an abundant life. I'm on a mission to change that. I'm here to help Catholic women get radiantly healthy, supercharge their time and energy, and live lives that are brimming with passion and purpose. As a Catholic life coach and a certified health coach, I'll show you how to integrate the best practices of body, mind, and soul into your daily life so that you can become a thriving Catholic. Let's do this. Well, hello, hello, and welcome again to this first ever episode of A Thriving Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Castillo. I'm a wife, mom, and a coach, and as I said in the intro, I created this show for Catholic women who know that there's more to life than just surviving. This show is for women who believe that the thriving and abundant life is possible for them. Women who are not content to settle for mediocrity, but who recognize that, in the words of Pope Benedict, they were made for greatness. This show is also for you if you happen to be feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, or stretched thin right now. I want to help you find simple ways to start feeling better fast. And by feeling better, I mean, I want you to have more energy, feel more peace, and ultimately have more joy. And so how is this show going to do that? Well, we know that God created the human person as a body-soul composite, and that when we live in accordance with how God created our bodies to work, well, that's when we're not only going to live our healthiest and happiest lives, but ultimately, that's how we become the saint version of ourselves as well. So in this show, I'll dive into pretty much every field related to human flourishing. So nutrition, sleep, exercise, productivity, positive psychology, and more so that you can optimize every area of your life. In fact, I have one tip that I'm going to share later in this episode that's been scientifically proven to double or even triple your chances of successfully accomplishing anything that you set out to do. So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to share with you a little bit about my story and why I started A Thriving Catholic. So we're going to go way back, and I will start telling you first that I have been interested in health and wellness for basically as long as I can remember. So I noticed from a very early age, I I think I must have been 13 or maybe even younger, that I felt better when I was exercising. I could focus more. I wasn't as anxious. School was easier. So I actually developed my own exercise routine for myself 
when I was about 13 years old that I would do every morning and every evening in my room. And I also, during this time, started noticing this longing in myself for something more, for something deeper in life, like for some ultimate purpose. Now, I should mention that my family growing up was completely secular. My family of origin, we were basically, I was born and raised a nun, an N-O-N-E nun. So I did not have any religion growing up in my life. But I started to feel this longing, this sense that there was something more to life when I was probably about 13. And so I found in my house, we had these little copies of the Gideon's New Testament. And, um, you know, like the little ones that you find in hotel rooms or prisons. For some reason, my family owned a copy and I started reading. I, I tagged on to my exercise routine that I did in the morning and evening that I would read a chapter from the New Testament and then I would kneel next to my bed and I would pray the Lord's Prayer or what Catholics call the Our Father um, every morning and every evening. So I just sort of started adding that on to my exercise routine. And for me, it seemed like a really obvious and seamless um, combination. Like it just seemed to me that combining my body, what I did with my body, with trying to deepen my spiritual life, my connection to God, they just went together. Because when I did my exercise routine, I could focus better. I could try to understand what I was reading better. And I have to tell you guys, I did not understand like anything that I was reading. Because again, like I said, I was a young teenager and I had no religious formation. I didn't know any of the stories of the Bible. I didn't know how to pray, which is why I was just reading the Lord's Prayer and kneeling next to my bed because I figured that's what you do when you pray, you kneel. So I wish I could say that I continued on that path and had some miraculous revelation and I became Catholic then, but I did not. What happened for me was a long series of events going through my religious conversion. So I had a stint in Mormonism. I went into a very new agey period in college. Um, I ended up going to West Point for college. So when I graduated, I commissioned into the army as a second lieutenant. And like most of my classmates, I went directly to Iraq and was really faced for the first time in my life with things that were a lot harder uh, than anything I'd have to deal with up to that point. Um, During that same time frame, my mom was battling stage four cancer. um, And ultimately, uh, she passed away while I was on that deployment. So I was able to go home on emergency leave and be with her at the end. But what it really left me with was a lot of questions about what happens to someone when they die? What is the meaning of life? What is the point of all of this? Why are we here? And I was finding that in all of my new aginess, which I had embraced because really it just let me be selfish. I could be whatever I wanted to be and do whatever I wanted to do and hurt whoever I wanted to hurt. And it didn't matter because I wasn't really accountable to anybody. Um, And, you know, that obviously doesn't lead to happiness. So fortunately for me, it was around this time period, I got back from that first deployment to Iraq. And I met my husband who happens to be a cradle Catholic. And I was asking him all of these questions that I had after my mom's death about 
what's the point of it all? Why are we here? What's the purpose of life? And really, he couldn't ultimately answer all of my questions. So he recommended that I go to RCIA, where I really fell in love with the Catholic faith. It's beauty, it's coherence, it's truth. And I especially loved that no one was trying to pressure me into becoming Catholic, which is what I kind of expected when I went into RCA. I was like, okay, they're just going to try to convert me and everyone, you know. Um, But that was not my experience. In fact, I walked into RCIA and they handed me this stack of books, which is really the way to my heart. And so I started reading and I loved that everything I read fit together so beautifully. Um, It explained so many questions that I'd been grappling with. And so I was welcomed into the Catholic Church at Easter Vigil 2010. I am eternally grateful for my conversion and for that time. But really shortly after that, I went back to Iraq again for my second deployment. And this time things were really different for me because I did have my faith. I also started really leaning heavily into what bodily habits I could incorporate that would help me to be more successful on that deployment or help me to manage the pressure and stress of that time in Iraq again. Because at this point, I was the head of casualty operations for my division. I was also the plans and operations officer, which means that I had a lot of responsibility and a lot of really heavy responsibility. And I was still pretty young at this point. So it was a lot to deal with. And the ways that I embraced to kind of help deal with that stress and that strain of working seven days a week, sometimes, you know, 16 to 18 hour days every single day in a combat zone was that I really prioritized making sure that I was having my prayer time every day, making sure that I was exercising. This is when I got really interested in nutrition. Up to that point, I think I had always just kind of ate whatever because I was young and I could. Um, But this is really when I started thinking about food as a performance enhancer and really dialed in my diet so that I was eating really well. I was exercising. I started taking supplements for the first time, Uh, just really managing my stress. And so my, my experience on those two deployments was like night and day. Like the first deployment, I was probably a train wreck most of the time. And again, my mom was suffering a terminal illness. I was dealing with a lot. But on the second deployment, I was able to kind of incorporate an integration of my faith and my bodily habits in a way that really helped me be way more successful. So during that deployment, when I recognized how those things were really helping me, I thought, this is what I want to do with my life. I didn't want to be an army officer for the rest of my life. I knew that I wanted to do something that was going to incorporate this, you know, taking really good care of your body integrating it with your Catholic faith so that every part of your life could be ordered towards human flourishing. I got really interested in how can you optimize every single part of your life so that you can live this like best version of yourself, this best life possible. I was so fascinated with this concept, with this idea. I knew this is what I wanted to do. So when I got out of the army, we got back from that deployment and I got out of the army, I 
started right away into a counseling program because I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to use whatever gifts and talents God had given me to to help others to become healthier and happier themselves. So I entered a holistic counseling program at a Catholic university, and I really thought that what we were going to do with holistic counseling was you know, focus on people's nutrition and sleep and exercise and all the things that you can do in your life to help you to live happier and healthier and incorporate that with your spirituality so that you were a whole person, a whole complete person that was not just baseline surviving, but really, really flourishing, really thriving, really living that good life. This is what I thought I was going to study as soon as I got out of the army. But what happened was the very first day I walked into class at a Catholic university, everyone was sitting in a circle on the floor around these crystals. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, I am in the wrong place. What is this? So I have to tell you guys, it was completely new agey, the entire thing. So what I thought when I thought holistic was taking care of every aspect of a human person. What the world thought when they meant holistic was new agey stuff that really was very far separated and and like not even possible to integrate it with our Catholic spirituality. It wasn't like you could just like take the good and leave the bad. It couldn't even be integrated in a way that made any sense because it was just coming from such a completely different worldview. And so I kind of just thought to myself, well, I guess what I want to do doesn't exist. I guess there is no such thing. So at that point, I had already had my first daughter and I was busy as a parent and I thought, well, I'm just going to throw myself into this being a mom, being a wife, being a really good Catholic, volunteering at my parish. I'm going to do all the things. I did start and stop a few different grad school programs during this time because I hadn't quite let the dream die that I was going to do something that was in like a teaching or counseling field. But it was really like not clear what my path was. And I couldn't quite understand where God was leading me. I really felt like there was something he wanted me to do and that he was leading me to, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And I remember praying during this time, like, hey, God, if you have a will for me or a plan for me, could you just make it like super obvious, like flashing neon would be really cool. Like that would really help me to understand what you want me to do. And I have to tell you, I am a very choleric personality type. And so for me, I'm, I am way more likely to approach God with my plans and just ask him to sign here. You know, like here, here's what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to proceed. Um, if you could just give me your buy-in here and I will m- move on. And maybe that part of that was my training as an army officer. I was always trained to come up with solutions and then just propose solutions to my superior officer and then get the blessing and move on. So this is basically how I was operating my relationship with God. And um, it wasn't working out for me very well. I was hitting a lot of walls. I was really struggling. And really, guys, I didn't expect that the way God would answer my request of what do you want to do with what do you want to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my life? was through a battle with depression. So for me, 
I had been trying all the things. I had been doing everything that I thought a good Catholic woman should do, all the shoulds. I was very busy and very active in my parish. I was leading the women's group. I was homeschooling my children at this point. Um, But it was about a year after the birth of my third child that I just hit a wall. I didn't want to do anything anymore. I felt so trapped in this life that was, for me, very unfulfilling. Like, I felt like I was wasting whatever time or talents God had given me. And I knew that, but at the same time, I was feeling really guilty. Like, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I should be happy. Why am I not happy? And so one of the things, one quote that I always think of during this time that St. Thomas Aquinas said was that man cannot live without joy. So when he is deprived of true spiritual pleasure or true spiritual joy, it becomes necessary that he becomes addicted to carnal pleasure. I'm probably butchering that just a little bit, but the point is when a man is living without joy or a woman in my case, it becomes really like easy and almost necessary to become addicted to what St. Thomas Aquinas called carnal pleasures. And that can be anything. But for me, in my situation, it definitely took the food, the form of food and alcohol. So I started drinking heavily. I was eating junk food all the time. I was staying up late, binge watching terrible TV. I had stopped exercising because I was staying up so late. I couldn't get up in the morning on time to exercise like I had been doing for so many years. Like it had been a part of my life for so long. I had just stopped doing all the things that I knew were good for me. And I was really in a downward spiral. And the main thing is that I stopped praying too because I was just so angry. I was so angry with God because I felt like I had really upheld my end of the bargain. I felt like I was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing, but I was miserable. Why was I so unhappy if I was doing the right things? And so I got really angry and I was really, really just, when I say that I understand what it's like to survive another day, it is because I understand exactly what it's like to survive another day. I was dragging through my life. And fortunately, I what had happened was I actually told someone about it. Because, you know, one of the things that I think happens is whenever we're struggling with something, the devil really wants us to believe that we're the only ones struggling with it. And so we have to hide it from the world, right? We have to hide whatever anxiety, whatever depression, which are the scourge of our society. I'm telling you, every woman you see in the school pickup line, probably every woman you see at the supermarket, every woman you encounter, they are probably in some way, shape or form struggling with something. If it's not anxiety and depression, it's something. We are struggling. And but we're told that we have to put on a good face and we can't tell anyone about it. And it's a super shameful secret and you just have to keep it all to yourself. 
So during this time, I was still going through the motions at my parish. I was still active in a lot of different ministries. I was trying to go through the motions. And if anyone ever asked me how I was doing, I was fine. I was totally fine. Everything's fine. I was fine. One day we were having, uh, it was a Christmas party. And one of my friends who had moved away had come back to visit for this parish Christmas party. I did not want to go. I had dreaded going. I hated being around people at this point. I didn't want to do any of these things, but I was there. And my friend had pulled me aside. We were in a separate room and she asked me, how are you doing? And I was honest. I was really, really honest. I told her, I just feel numb all the time. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be here. All I can think about right now is going home and making myself a drink. All I can think about right now is my next drink because I can't feel anything right now. And I am really grateful to this person, (laughs) this friend, because she was very matter of fact with me, which is exactly what I needed in that moment. And she looked at me and she said, kind of bluntly, well, that's depression. You're depressed. You're dealing with depression. And that was a turning point for me. Because at first, I wanted to deny it. At first, I wanted to be like, no, um, depression is something that happens to other people. It doesn't happen to me. Because you see, I am capable and I am strong. I can do so many things. Like depression is for people who are weak. And I am not weak. So this is not what I'm dealing with. But it was. I was definitely dealing with depression. And the reason why that was such a turning point for me was that it helped me to recognize that there could be something going on in my physical body, in my physical brain, that was causing me to feel so terrible all the time. You see, before that, I always thought that there was maybe some, it was only a spiritual component. Like maybe I was just in a time of desolation or, you know, there must be some moral or virtue failing on my part. Like if I had more virtue, I wouldn't be so miserable. If I could just be better, then I would be happier. But to recognize for the first time that there was a physical component to what I was feeling and to why I was feeling so terrible, that was really earth shattering for me. That really helped me to change my perspective on it And also to recognize that, look, if this is something going on in my body, I can control things going on in my body. I have a certain degree of control over what is happening in my body. And so I started to set out doing the things that I already knew, like I already knew what was good for me. I just had never approached it before from this place of I've got to heal. I've got to heal this depression. I've got to work to get better because I was ruining every relationship in my life. I was driving my health into the ground. I knew I was doing that. 
And I just had to stop. I had to pull up from this nosedive. And so really, guys, it took stepping out in faith. Because when, like St. Thomas Aquinas said, you become addicted to those carnal pleasures because you're not feeling any joy. So there's a gap. There's this gap between when you're feeling awful and you know that you need to start making changes and when you actually start feeling the benefit of making those changes. And that gap scares people. Like this is what scares a lot of people into staying stuck and never making those changes. Because for instance, if the only joy or what you think is joy, the only pleasure you have in your life is that drink, that next drink that you're making for yourself, then it's going to be really, really hard to trust that if you stop that, if you put that drink down, if you give yourself a break from alcohol or whatever it is that is your carnal pleasure and you stop it for a little while to just see what happens, to trust that you're going to survive that gap. You're going to survive that gap between when you stop and then the time when it actually starts feeling better and you will start feeling better. So for me to get through that gap, I am like my Clifton strengths are like learner and input. And we will talk about Clifton strengths on the show because it's so interesting. But for me, I had to learn, like I had to input, I had to read, I had to study. So I started reading every scientific journal article I could find, every book I could find, listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, every piece of information I could find that would help support me in what it takes to boost your own happiness, to boost your own mood, to overcome depression. Like everything that I was doing, I was reading about and studying about. And that was really what gave me the fuel and the motivation to keep going. It was kind of like, having a coach with me all the time because I was constantly flooding myself with this information that was all pointing in one direction, which was, this is going to help you feel better. This is going to help you feel better. And you know what? It did. I'm, it really, really did because, you know, at the time I didn't even have the energy or the strength to make an appointment to see a therapist like it was a bridge too far in my deepest depression to even think about getting outside help so I was only doing the things that I could do myself and making the changes that I could make myself and so if you're interested and we can obviously dig into this more in future episodes but you know I stopped drinking I cut sugar I started exercising again I started opening myself up to prayer again. You know, I started making these changes and they work fast. Like I was feeling so much better so quickly. With I would say within about two weeks, I was out of the worst of my depression and I was just gradually better from there. So actually I had finally made an appointment to see a therapist. It was like months later and I will never forget when I walked in and met with her and she was like, why are you here? You seem like you're doing great. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, I don't need to be here. I'm good. And this time it was true. Like it wasn't me just, you know, (laughs) putting on a good show. I was doing so much better. I had 
way more energy. I had way more enthusiasm. I had lost 30 pounds. I was sleeping well. I was really doing really, really well. But I have to say, this was just a starting point. Like that was a starting point for me. It was just the beginning because really I was kind of right back where I had started when I was a young army officer. Like I was just taking good care of my body and I was starting to pray again. So I was good, but I could have really easily slipped back into that despair again because you know what was really causing it ultimately was that I wasn't actively seeking and pursuing what God wanted me to do with my life. And when I finally became open to that, to his plan, to what he might want me to do, I was pretty shocked to realize that it was pretty much exactly what I had always been drawn to. And so for me, the idea of a thriving Catholic, of becoming a coach, of helping other women to make this journey that I have also made, it just came into my head after prayer one day, like fully formed, like this is what I'm going to do. This is what I will do. And of course, then I went on later to get certifications and to get trainings and to become equipped to do the mission that I think God is calling me to. But this is why I formed a thriving Catholic. And this is why I named it a thriving Catholic. Like I am not the eponymous thriving Catholic, even though I'm obviously doing pretty well and striving to be there and always trying to optimize my life. Like I have stumbles, I have falls, I'm not perfect. And it hasn't been smooth or perfect sailing since that point. But what it created in me was this desire to help other women to also be thriving and not just thriving in body because guys, we're all going to die. Like I could help you get super thin. I could help you be in super awesome shape, but you could still be really miserable. Like you could lose all that weight that you thought was what was making you really miserable and still be miserable. So what I want to do is help, you know, if you do want to lose weight or if you want to reach and maintain an ideal weight, I can help you do that. But I also want to help you go a little bit deeper. I want to help you truly flourish and you got to integrate your soul into that in order to do that. So anyway, ultimately my goal with this whole show is to teach people everything that you need to do to really flourish and thrive and to explore that together because I'm always learning too. Like I'm still learning and growing and I just want to share with you the things that I'm learning and growing in and things that have helped work for other people and that can work for you too. So one way to do that that I mentioned earlier in the show um, is actually a scientifically proven way to double or even triple your chances of doing what you set out to do. And you might think that this is motivation, right? Like we just need to have more motivation and we can do it. But actually, scientifically, motivation doesn't actually get people all that far. Like it's really not that great of a strategy. A better strategy, and the tip that I want to give you guys today is to create an implementation intention for whatever you want to do. So you can think about an implementation intention as basically being a glorified plan. Like it's just a really good plan that has the details. So imagine a sentence and you can fill in the blanks. I will blank behavior at blank time 
in blank location. So the three things that you're going to plan out with your implementation intention are first, what's the behavior that you want to do? So it could be exercise, it could be prayer, it could be anything that you want to do that you need to do at a specific time and a a specific place. Because, you know, we know God lives outside of time and place, but for the rest of us, we need to have a time and a location to do any of the things that we want to do. It sounds so simple and it really is a very simple thing, but for many of us, we'll say something like, I just want to pray more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to start praying more. And then it's like, well, okay, when are you going to do that? Where are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? So what I encourage you guys to do this week, if there's a habit or an action that you are hoping to actually get done to make more intentional in your life, even if it was for me, like I'm going to make this podcast. I have been meaning to make this podcast Like, I am not joking. It has been on my heart and mind for like a year to make this podcast. But finally, I had to make my own implementation intention and say, I am going to record my podcast on Tuesday in my office at this time. Like, you have to get really specific. And then just like a further tip on implementation intentions, once you've got your one sentence of what you're going to do, where and when, you can start thinking of like if then statements. So for instance, like if my toddler is not in daycare and I can't record my podcast when I intended to, then I will record after everyone goes to sleep tonight or whatever, you know, but basically think about whatever the obstacles are going to be. Like for instance, if your behavior is you're going to go for a run outside, well, what if tomorrow morning it is pouring rain? What are you going to do? Are you going to completely scrap your exercise idea or are you going to think of like a plan B or maybe a plan C or a plan D? Like how many ever contingency plans you need to come up with? It's basically just really good planning. So there you go. That's your tip for this week about how you can actually accomplish anything you set out to do. Well, with double or triple the chances of actually getting it done when you make an implementation intention. So I just want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to my story and letting me share with you the deep why behind A Thriving Catholic, what I hope for this show to be, what it's all about. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and help me get the word out that this show exists by sharing it with other Catholic women in your life. Okay, friends, until next time, remember that you were made for greatness. So don't settle for anything less. Talk to you soon.